You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Turn it up. A new day. A new day. It's a brand new day in the Mile High City. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to the DMVR Nuggets podcast. That that was good. More or less to be expected today, uh, the hangover day here. Um, And really a flipping, a turning of the page day at DNVR headquarters as we move our attention now more Nuggets focused. Our little Eurobasket vacation was fun. We'll still continue to cover some of the games. Our boy Vladko Chanchar is still there. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we'll continue to follow some of those games, albeit a little bit less in-depth as we go on. Um, but we're presented, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR. The best time of the year for gambling, the best six-month run, seven-month run, starts started yesterday. And oh, what a day it was. Were you guys gambling through yesterday at all by chance? Neither of you were at the bar. No, I, I was not gambling. I gambled a little I'm bit. Not, I'm not allowed to gamble right now. Well, I had, do you guys see the uh, great results with the Bengals and the Colts going to overtime and missing their game-winning field goals? Oh. And then they were in my parlay, so I had a great oh. day. I was sick. Shout out NFL. The, the NFL rules, man. I, like yesterday, every year this happens on week one where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why the NFL kicks ass. is because all the games happen at once, and it's fun as hell following all of them. <laughs> this is why it always wins. And there was no controversy. Very few controversies, just football. Um, guys, I got the fellas with me today. Hat back, hat backwards, undisclosed location, illegal to gamble, but he's doing it anyway, illegally. Harrison wins. Uh, man, guys, I wasn't on the show yesterday, but I just have to just put this out there and let you know. I, I took that loss hard. I took that Serbia loss hard. Maybe harder than I took the Nuggets losing to the Warriors in the playoffs. The they lost I, to the Warriors. You knew it was coming. It was like I all know. Right. I I felt that I was messed up all day yesterday. All day. Uh, you said it as if it was past tense, man. Not past tense for me. Still residing in my heart this pain and, and, and excruciating uh, pain that I'm feeling down below from Cape Cod. It's Brennan Vote. Jacked up my whole vibe. I've been riding high since Vegas and effing Team Italy. I thought like nothing could slow me down. There's nothing I could trip on. I mean, I've been to funerals since Vegas. I'm riding high. But uh, Team Serbia falls to Italy. And I feel like I'm back down. I, I need years of therapy again. I need to start. Where were you yesterday, vote? You should have. We needed the like collective vibes pull. It was a low vibes day at the bar, too, for the game. I know. I should have been there. But as soon as the third quarter started, I thought, um, third quarter, I thought, kind of glad i'm not there doesn't it feel like this sometimes like we've watched the games a lot together and you know different things yesterday was like 
me and Eric and like we had to watch it on this little tiny. It was like it felt bad to begin with. You oh, know what no. I mean? It felt That's different it to begin with, and then of course it all fell apart. Um, on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about Nuggets theme takeaways from this because now again, like I said, we want to turn our attention back to the Denver Nuggets, get ready for the season, which media day is two weeks from today. So crazy training camp two weeks and another the day after. So um, I want to talk about there's really interesting Nuggets stuff as we get away from it that I feel like we learned. We also have some news and notes, including George Carl going to the hall. And yes, I'm also going to talk about NBA 2K because as much as I don't find it interesting because I don't Can't play the game. I do find one piece of this interesting that Reddit brought to my attention. So I was going to bring it up. No, and then in segment three, just to get you excited, we're going to snake draft or actually power rank, I should say. I'm going to yeah. give the guys a prompt and they're going to tell me how excited they are uh, for that thing. But first, yes, Serbia did fall to Team Italy yesterday in heartbreaking fashion. It was really a 16 1 upset, or I guess more of a 1 4 upset. Um, we all felt pretty confident that Serbia was going to handle business as good as Italy was, but it was not the case. They outgunned them, outshot them. So that concludes the Eurobasket and really the Team Serbia, Eurobasket and World Cup qualifiers and tune-up. It concludes all of that. And I have a couple takeaways here. Maybe you guys have some as well. But I want to start here because it is ironic that last Friday we were talking about how much the Nuggets can learn from Serbia. And this is one of my big things, the ball popping. Like that style to me is the blueprint for a Denver Nuggets team with Jokic. Can you get Denver to play as unselfishly? I feel in part that the reverse is true when you watch this Italy game. They didn't get the ball popping very well for reasons I think you have to credit Italy. I think they came up with a game plan. Teams will slide the scales in another direction and say, we're going to try to keep the ball out of Jokic's hands. What do you have? What are you going to do? And it was almost like in that playoff game, Italy needed a Jamal Murray. They have Vasa Micic and he had his worst game of the season. But you see that I really don't when I say that team U or that that the Nuggets need to learn from Team Serbia, it really is a blending of the two. But in the playoffs, especially, you're gonna get bogged down into moments where that Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic two-man game is important and the game simplifies. We always talk about it as the last five minutes. In playoff games, mm -hmm. sometimes it's a lot more than that. And to me, that's one of the things I've been thinking about since the end of that game. What do you make of that tape vote? Well, I think we kind of saw what happens last season when the Nuggets don't have Jamal Murray. Granted, they didn't have other pieces as well, but you, as as much as I think Jokic is pound for pound the best player in basketball, now that's getting harder and harder to say with the way Giannis is doing his thing, but it's what I believe. Luka, Giannis, they're forwards. You get the ball in their hands, and it's, it's simplified in a way that's different when there's a center running your offense. Now yeah. a competent half court team should be able to take advantage of this dynamic, a defense selling out to prevent, to double, to do anything, to make just the entry pass hard, let alone the bucket. You've got to be able to attack the defense in other ways. The Nuggets couldn't without Jamal. I think we saw in those fourth quarters, like we saw with Vasa not playing his best. You need that threat, particularly at the guard, if not forward, you know, guard or forward position that can attack on ball getting downhill without needing something set up for them. So that's not a knock on Jokic. It's what team Serbia should have done and couldn't do. And what Denver can't do when they're not at full strength. What do you think wind? Yeah. I mean, I think a little bit what happened to Serbia in that game in that third quarter, I even saw it a little in the first half against Italy it's the same thing that happened on the few rare occasions that they got tested in the group stage. They kind of lost themselves yeah. offensively. 
And look, they still put up how many points was it? 86 points. It's a lot. They only had 17 assists on 27 made baskets, which probably is below the usual ratio for them. Like they're a super high assist team. But I think here's here's the point though. How much of that was, you know, oh, Serbia wasn't really playing that connected, this or that. And how much of it was Italy was like, we know what things you want to do. We're going to try to take that away. We're going to pack the paint. We're going to overload on Jokic and let's see where you go from there. And Serbia either didn't adjust or wasn't capable of adjusting to that. Like how much of it is that versus Serbia just had an off night? I think it was both. I think you got to give Italy credit, but there are also a lot of times when Serbia came down and jacked up a terrible shot and didn't move yeah. the ball and, and yeah. didn't work the defense. And I think it was maybe the Israel game when like it was the first time all group stage when they just didn't look like themselves for a stretch. That was a lot of the Italy game. It just wasn't the healthy equal opportunity, selfless basketball attack on the offensive end that we had seen up until that point. And Italy just, yeah, you got to give them credit. They took them out of their comfort zone. I, what, I what agree. You, well, real quick, I have to interrupt you just to ask, what do you think of this glistening light off of Harrison's nose? Are you are you pro the look at it? Every time he moves perfectly window. into it, it gets him. Listen, when you got to get some sunglasses or put a piece of cardboard up there. <laughs> what Eric told me. Uh, I thought we saw some of Vasa, what we talked about in the very beginning, rearing its head, where with the defense really trying to take Jokic out of it he maybe tried a little too hard to make plays as opposed to just keeping the ball moving. Now, a couple of things there earlier in group play, Vasa did an excellent job responding to just about every run. He had so many clutch shots. He's a capable player. So him probing for, for something is understandable. The other thing is he may have felt a little more confident in the team ball thing. If I I don't want to, it's not all about one guy, but some of the role players looked a little better, particularly Lucic who just, wasn't really doing a great job, yeah. I, I think, in that game. So it it was weird. I think Vasa in, in some ways said, I'm going to do this, and the ball stuck a little too but much. I want us to kind of keep these like nuggets themed here because, of course, you know, analyzing that now, that team will probably never be together like that again, the Serbia team. Sure, but I'm, sure. I'm just trying to think here about with Denver here, the importance of – I'm so impressed with the Warriors and what they did against Denver. The Warriors don't run a lot of pick and rolls. They are this off-ball, off-screen team. And against Denver, they're like, okay, we're, they're good at covering that. We need to run a lot of pick and rolls. They're really bad at this. And they adjusted on the fly and were able to do that. Now, they had 82 games to prepare. Team Serbia really only had like six real games, two friendly. So it was a shorter thing here. And maybe there just wasn't enough time to work in what you're going to do if teams take this away. I don't know. But from the Nuggets' perspective, to me, they do need to both offensively and defensively have these other ways of winning that, look – the, the only way you stop the Jokic style of basketball is you overload so hev- heavily that you're vulnerable to other areas. And that's kind of my point is Serbia didn't seem to be able capable of taking uh, care of it. And by the way, to your point, Harrison, Serbia did score 86 points. We need to move the defense before too long. But I do think there's a connection between when you're not doing the things offensively that you're most comfortable doing or that you're comfortable at all doing, yeah. you start to give up transition, which is exactly what happened. Serbia got some opportunities because of that overload to score. And every time they missed or turned it over, Italy capitalized the other way. So the defense is part of it, but I do think the offense played into that defense in a way. But they just weren't themselves. They just right. weren't themselves. And that, and that bled over to, to the defense. 
And the other part that was so surprising about the end of that game is these role players for Serbia that I said I trusted. I know. Like, yeah. I trusted those guys with my life, man. Right. Lucic, Kalanit. Like, those guys were so rock solid every time we had watched them play. And then it's like they just forgot how to play basketball in the second half. It honestly reminded me of like Phoenix Dallas game seven, where you're looking at this Suns team with all these guys that are so solid and all play their role so well. And all of a sudden they just like can't even dribble the ball. It, it was, it was so shocking to see just those role players lose their composure and look like they didn't even want to be out there and just record scratching all over the place and just taking terrible shots. And, um, and you think <laughs> about it with the nuggets and it's like, who can you trust? You know, yeah. who, who can you really trust when it comes down to it? And that's going to be just so interesting to find out this year. Yeah. And can Porter become a guy that for all the talent in the world in the playoffs, you're using the word trust because you think about an overload from the Nuggets perspective, you know, the first layer of it is, well, that weak side shooter is Michael Porter Jr. in the corner. So first of all, that's going to deter the thought to begin with. Um, but second of all, you know, then it's it's a guy like Aaron Gordon who could attack space, who could attack with a lane if the ball is moved quick enough. Jamal Murray, the tough shot making, the dribble around making shots will be necessary at times in the playoffs. But as far as lessons from Team Serbia, maybe this Nuggets team at its best, the lesson is it's not about Jamal probing to make plays. It's about keeping the ball moving, playing the right way, because the team has the weapons all around the floor if they're healthy to just not necessarily be so star-centric despite all the star tower. We're going to talk more about that star-centric thing here in the second second segment, but I also want to get back to another takeaway I have that relates to the Nuggets, and that is that Jokic really is in great shape, and I know we brought this up all, all along, but to me it is one of the storylines. He looks so mobile and he looks so quick offensively, but here's the thing. I wonder if it translates more to offense than it does to defense because another one of my takeaways, takeaway number three here is, and again, I'm not blaming Jokic for this. He was a plus 10. They should have won the game if it weren't for the moments he wasn't on the court. So this isn't right. like throwing everything at him. But he wasn't the solution either defensively. And sometimes it's like, are you the problem versus are you the solution are two different questions. And they gave up 94 points. A lot of that was the game plan. Target Jokic and pick and roll. Make him guard an enormous amount of pick and rolls. And one, it's going to wear him out. And two, it's just so hard for him. And that's one of the discouraging things for me coming out of this was, again, Jokic was the most impactful Serbian player, but still defensively, it they were very vulnerable to just getting beat in the pick and roll and having to make multiple rotations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was my big takeaway. And, I mean, the first thing I thought back to was the Warriors series. And really, every series the Nuggets have yep. been in. Every one of them. Yeah. Every every yeah. series, yep. It's the number one goal of the defense when it comes, you know, when it becomes winning time especially. And every playoff series that the Nuggets have been in, it's going to be the goal of whatever team they play in the playoffs next season. And it's just the reality. So, you, I, you can't be surprised that that's what Italy did. That's what any smart basketball team would do. And... It was effective. It was like, you can't ignore that. So it definitely did kind of raise just my level of concern level up slightly. And of course there's you know, so many other factors that come with the nuggets that don't, you know, with Serbia, just how Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr. Offensively can help that. And, you know, Aaron Gordon and all these defensive pieces that they have now that they didn't have last year, but it was very notable to me that 
they went to that. They attacked him. They targeted him. And it worked. And you can't be that surprised that it did. And yeah, it does give me some concern. The only thing I'd say, and Adam acknowledges acknowledge this up top, is it's an equation, right, with centers. I think in 2022, anytime you roll out a true five, like a team is going to do that. If a team is, pl- is capable of playing in space, particularly the high pick and roll, they're going to do that. They're going to make that center play defense, whether it's Jokic, whether it's anyone else. The thing about Jokic that makes him different than everyone else is if you're going to have that center on the floor, you have to be able to punish uh, a small ball, a spread ball kind of offense on the other end. And Jokic, you always can. And that's why the truth is, for as much as Italy succeeded in that game plan, they were getting crushed in the Jokic minutes because they actually couldn't guard him. As a, as a team without a five, they did what they had to do. But much like we said for much of the Denver season, if the bench, if, 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 if Denver or Serbia's bench did what they have to do, I don't, I don't really see this as the glaring issue. Like, you know, you, this is the give and take almost every team has with their star, right? You, they're not going to be your defensive stalwart, but is it worth it to have them out there offensively? And with Jokic, the answer is yes in abundance, you know? But the point is, is you said it like they crushed them. I don't think they did crush them. In fact, in the second half, they didn't. In the third quarter, they were already giving up the lead by the time Jokic came out. I think it was four points when he checked out. Now, it went from up four to down nine. That's that's where the game was lost. But my point was they were not crushing him. In the second half, Italy said, okay, here we go. We're going to spam this pick and roll. We're just going to run it at him. And even Jokic was, for whatever reason, kind of caught on his heels. And I suspect part of that comes to my number four or five takeaway, wherever I'm at not right now, which is part of that was we talk about the growth of Jokic, the leader. And one of the things that I sensed watching the game and I didn't seem like Serbia sensed during the game was that third quarter was extremely important. What was it? Six points going into halftime and Micic hit a step back three to make it six. It really should have been three points, but instead it was six. And I remember thinking, and I think somebody even wrote me on Twitter saying like, oh no, the dreaded third quarter. And my thought was, I don't think this time, because it's so clear that Italy is ready to make a run, that Serbia better match their level of intensity. But what happened in the third quarter? Italy's coach gets thrown out in dramatic fashion, fires everybody up on the way out. Uh, Guys start making threes. They start, you know, that momentum is starting to shift. And I just kept looking for somebody on Team Serbia, but especially Nikola Jokic to just say, no, this moment is important. I recognize that. And I'm going to get my guys just as fired up for that. Italy was kind of like, the coach reminds me of Patrick Beverly. Does that stuff work every time? No. But if you're the underdog and you bring that energy, the better team better be able to match your energy in some capacity. And I just felt like Serbia did not. And Jokic, as part of Team Serbia, did not. It was like the game, it felt like the momentum swung so hard in Italy's direction. And it did. It absolutely did. They were in control of that game for pretty much the entire second half. But even when it was like seven, eight points with two or three minutes left, the game wasn't over. That's still a ton of time. And like Italy still could not stop Jokic, but it just felt like looking at Serbia's body language, they knew the game was over. And that was, that was weird to see. I wouldn't say that they knew the game was over. I would say that they didn't recognize that the game was in the balance and it happened like that. And that's what I'm saying is when you have a lesser team, really when you have any team, but when you have a lesser team and you get to the fourth quarter and it's within striking distance, the lesser team goes, nothing to lose boys, four points, nothing to lose, let it fly. And that's exactly what happened. And I'm watching that third quarter going, 
you need to be up big. You need to send the message that you're not within striking distance, that the, the mountain is really hard to climb. And it wasn't. And that's the point I'm getting at. So when Jokic went to the bench and they went on that like 17 to three run or whatever it was, of course, you can't blame him for that run. But I do say that, hey, those are moments where players have to learn. When people talk about was Kobe clutch or not, Kobe Bryant was really good at recognizing that we're up six. Let's finish this quarter up 12 so that they don't tell themselves they're in it. And and yeah. like that's what you need is that that's what I was looking for in that moment. And it just looked like nobody was really interested in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say that, you know, I categorize that as a critique of leadership or energy, which is all valid. But I just think it's different than like teams are going to attack Jokic at any point in time when he's on the floor because he's a center uh, and it's 2022. But the equation to me is always worth it. There's no it's better to have Jokic on the floor. So I'm more concerned with what you brought up is a good point. But also in terms of the 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 momentum and opening the door he should be there to close the second and he should be there way earlier in the fourth (laughs) and if he is then it's you're not doing this math game of let's catch up to threes with twos while we're down 12 while our best player was sitting and so i all of this is valid i'm not saying it shouldn't i'm not saying there are no critiques to be made i just think you know what we saw i think if Jokic is on the floor for more of that game the entire story is different but i mean of course of course it is vote i just we we have to analyze all aspects of this it's too easy and in my opinion too simple like we're at the top we're one step from the top floor now sure, sure. so it, the broad stroke stuff to me that's like the 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 climb stuff but we're already at the climb now it's the margins now it's the hey what are these final pieces and one of them to me we've always talked about jamal murray was the guy that brings that and i think he does by the way i think jamal murray is one of the guys that's kind of like hey step on yeah. their throats here's the moment let's go for it but i just would like to see Jokic get to that level too good and point. i just felt like it was a prime opportunity where i'm sensing it you're too good to just feel out the third quarter go and show right. them it's sure. over and Same then point. if you're needed in the fourth quarter you know, you're already at that level. You don't have to ramp up. But it just, to me, that's kind of what it felt like. But let's take a break on the other I, side. Yeah. Well, we'll keep going on the other side because I do want to ask this question. Sometimes there's a trend with the Nuggets, now Team Serbia. We've seen it. When Jokic goes to the bench, the team is bad. Why is that? Is it coincidental? Is it just the the, the nature of the last couple of years where guys have been hurt? Or is there anything else to this? It always works out that the team is suffers without Jokic. We'll give some theories on the other side. Ivaka TV, Ivaka TV. These are our guys. If you want to support us, if you want to support DNVR, the best way to do that is to support our sponsors. So get set up with Ivaka TV this summer. It's where our Serbia documentary is premiering exclusively on Ivaka TV. It's the only place where you're going to be able to watch that for a bit. They've also got Nuggets, Avs. They've got other channels as well. Go to ivaka.tv slash Colorado 10, ivaka.tv slash Colorado 10. Get $10 off your first three months of Ivaka TV. It's normally $25 a month plus a $5 receiver fee. But when you go to ivaka.tv slash Colorado 10, you're going to get $10 off per month for those first three months. No contracts, no catches, no hidden fees, none of that stuff. Uh, Ivaka TV, it's the future, it's also the present. It's the new GOAT in Colorado sports coverage, so get set up with them this summer. Also, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens got us through our trip in Serbia, guys. Like, not even going to lie. Every morning, we popped a cup of Athletic Greens, set us on our day, put us in the right mindset to tackle the day. Um, Athletic Greens, if you want better gut health, if you want more energy in your daily life, if you want an optimized immune system, Athletic Greens 
can help with all of those things. With one scoop of Athletic Greens, you get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods or superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. So if you want to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, check out Athletic Greens. One scoop of Athletic Greens into a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. They're going to also give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. That's what we use in Serbia with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash nuggets, athleticgreens.com slash nuggets to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, back here, segment two. And now the interesting question is, how many times did we do this last year? I don't want to do it at all this year. Like, I do think it's funny. People talk about plus minus. It's a team stat. It is. Somebody put up somebody like people got mad at me in the game yesterday. They're like, why are you sharing plus minus? That doesn't tell the story. I'm not telling a story. I'm giving you the context for you to tell your own story. Like that's how when I put out stat tweets, why did I put that he had 19 points? Why did I put that he had 13 rebounds? Whatever the numbers were. The plus minus part does say that when Jokic was on the court, the team was winning. And when he was off, they were losing. It doesn't say that it was because of Jokic or this or that. It just merely paints a story of, hey, the game was lost in a very specific moment in time when Jokic was not on the court. And one of the reasons, though, that it is so weird is we did this all year. We've really done that the last two years. Jokic goes to the bench. Team falls yeah. apart. Is this happenstance because the team was missing their two best players? Period. End of sentence. End of story. Or is there something else to it? And I think back to the LeBron era Cavs the first time around that also had an identity like this. LeBron on the court, everything humming. As soon as he went, you change the players out. It doesn't matter. It's kept happening. Do you think there's anything to this win? I mean, the thing to it is partly just Jokic is that good and LeBron is that good. And he's so much better than your second best player or whoever that second best player was on the Cavs, who that's Jamal Murray on the Nuggets, but Jokic is just so much better um, that it's going to have that effect. But you also think about the other things that could be um, like when Jokic is on the floor, there's just such a clear direction. Everybody knows what to do. (laughs) Everybody knows who the ball should go through. Everybody knows the pace to play at what plays we're running. And I I think some of it is just kind of natural. Like, to be totally honest, Michael Malone always has a great quote when he says, being Nicole Jokic's backup is the toughest job in the NBA. It's not, first of all. But I I know what he means by that because it's such a high bar to live up to. Totally. uh, Because when he's on the floor, there's just a sense of – you know what's going on. You know what's happening. You know what you're supposed to do. And when he's not, just you enter the unknown of it. Hmm. I think part, a large part of it is that Malone hasn't always been partial to staggering, particularly last season that wasn't even an option. But I like the, the, the thing about identity. I think a lot of teams have had that with their bench. The Nuggets haven't really had, you know, a go-to scorer off the bench, like a – uh, Jordan Clarkson kind of type of player. And so I th- sometimes when you have that, you could just say, okay, this guy's our scorer. He runs the offense. The rest of you are grinders defensively or whatever. The Nuggets, I feel like they've sort of, they've had hodgepodge benches that can that can work, but they haven't always had identities. So that'll be something to watch this year. Can they find one? Can it be something like Bones and Porter off the bench 
finding some sort of not necessarily two man, but but just rhythm and understanding of each other. Maybe that's something to watch, though. I think the lack of the identity is a good good observation. I definitely think identity is a big part of that. Um, you know, there's an interesting another one of these basketball as a spiritual game takes. There is a little sense of like, am I my brother's keeper? Meaning, is Jokic responsible for the minutes he is not on the bench or that he's not on the court? I think the answer to that is at least partially yes. And the extent to which he is already this, we really won't know fully. You know, you can interview people, you can ask questions about it. But I do think there is something to like, everybody has to grow into the thing you want them to be when you're the team's leader. And that's probably part of this of like, hey, you can so help foster these guys into the position to be there. Not your main responsibility, but one of those things. But I think the more interesting thing for me is this one right here. If the starters have a playbook, the the backups aren't able to use it or replicate it. And to me, this is probably, there's probably something to this thought. And it was the same with LeBron, by the way. Jokic is an extremely unique player. You build a very unique brand of basketball around him. And even if you know you're not going to play that brand with the bench, is it harder to cultivate a secondary identity with a second with a different unit? I have to imagine there's something of that of, hey, we spend so much time in practice and training camp and all season long working on this thing. And then when we take the guy that makes that thing work out, now we have to run a whole different thing and it's hard. I don't think that was what happened last year. I think last year they just didn't have very good players. So what can you do? Yeah. But I do wonder if there's a little piece of that that goes on with Jokic and if it's just even being aware of it helps you sort of fix it. I think it's actually one of the reasons why Mason Plumlee was a nice backup center. And you can even kind of make the case that DeMarcus Cousins has some of, you know, the skill set that you would need to run a Jokic light offense in terms of the passing, the playmaking, uh, the ability to handle it a little bit. But I remember when the Nuggets had Mason Plumlee, and I think one of the things that made – Denver look at him and go, okay, he's a guy we could use here is because he can pass it. Um, You know, he's got kind of that. He's, he can pass it. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, He's, he's, he's got a good basketball IQ in the sense of like, he can run dribble handoffs and, and that kind of stuff. There was a lot of stuff offensively that Denver could replicate with him in the second unit. You can also do that a little bit with Cousins. You totally. can't do that with JaVale McGee, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, the other guys, Jamichael Green, Jeff. Like You can't do that with those types of guys. I think there's something to that. And it's funny because you mentioned Isaiah Hartenstein. You also had Yusef Nurkic. And it didn't work out for both of those guys in extremely small sample sizes. With Nurkic, it was doomed, I think, for other reasons. But you're right. As I was trying to, in my head, go through guys that have played the backup center role, we really haven't seen that many. JaVale Mm -hmm. McGee, Joffrey Laverne, and then it's Mason Plumlee, basically, for the most part. So it hasn't been that many guys. I do like this comment, though, here. Oh, there's really a question about Monte Morris. So here's what's interesting. George Carl, when we did the show together, we'd always talk about point guard. You need a point guard. You need a point guard. And I, I think he sold me on that concept. Monte's a true point guard. And when he ran that bench, it was a good bench. When you took him off of it, and I know Bones is coming up, I think he'll be that eventually, but when you take him off of that, then I think it's more prone for a team kind of losing itself and losing its identity, especially, or I should put it the other way. When you have a Jokic-style offense as your primary, 
If you go to the bench and you have Monte, they can probably figure it out because you have a true point guard. If you don't have that, you might be more prone to what's our identity? Who are we? What do we do? Uh, and that's why Bones, to me, is such a pivotal player this year. Is He's kind of tasked with both being a scorer, being the identity, but also helping cultivate the identity, which is a tough task for a second-year player. I um, Go ahead. I just hope they're able to harness a little – there was something to, you know, identity stuff aside. The Warriors do what they do. Let's say they're not starting Jordan Poole, and then he comes in off the bench, and he just starts raining threes. And you're like, man, what is – it's an avalanche, right? We're, we're suffocating down here. Is Bones plus Porter and or Murray some combination of – like, is there enough for them to just say, all right, look, maybe we can't replicate the playbook, but we're just going to shove this down your throats. You can't stop us. And so, that probably won't work every night, but it, is there something they're able to to harness there? And that would be pretty exciting. But that's the difference between like Brooklyn who had all the talent and didn't come together. And then you have the Warriors who this year have young players. And I'm like, sure. it'll probably work out because there's something about them that they get. They don't fall into these LeBron, even Jokic right. team slumps. Right. Like where right. somehow they just end up getting everybody on the same page by the end of the year. And that's more or less what I'm saying. And again, this isn't a critique of Jokic. It's just I'm trying to point out that this is a challenge of the team coming up. Um, I want to move it along a little bit here, though. Um, George Carl was inducted into the Hall of Fame over the weekend. This was a long time coming. Um, and it was kind of a big moment. We've Because we're so thick in the weeds on this dumb stuff, we follow the organization and how they interact with past greats. And we know, not a spoiler, George Carl and the Denver Nuggets haven't been on best terms. You know, haven't haven't been like a great... Uh, last 10 years ever since he was fired as um, as the coach and you know to Denver's the Nuggets credit George hasn't exactly been the most flattering representative of uh, Denver Nuggets alumni so <laughs> it's like a little bit of a two-way two-way thing here but he got inducted into the hall and it did make me for one you know really excited for him cool class he, to me he's one of the like headliners of the class along with Manu Ginobili and you know if you just kind of look at the guys one of the winningest coaches of all time um, but it was cool for, of, for me to see the Denver Nuggets acknowledge it across all platforms multiple times, by the way. It wasn't just a one-off. It was multiple times that they kind of shared little things about him. Ten years have gone by. Maybe finally they have uh, you know are ready to kind of bury the hatchet and maybe make amends there. Both sides, I should say, ready, ready for that. What do you guys make of the uh, Hall of Fame enshrinement? It's a big deal. I mean, the Hall of Fame is the pinnacle. You work your whole career to get into the Hall of Fame. Like that is usually the end goal. Um, after all the wins, after all the championships, potentially, like the Hall of Fame is the last kind of capper on your legacy uh, in most cases. And George Carl, probably a top two coach in Nuggets history. Like Doug Moe is probably number one, George Carl is probably number two. Michael Malone will probably jump him, but just um, the length of time George Carl was here, the amount of wins he piled up, he's a key figure, I feel like, in Nuggets history. So it is a big deal. I think it is a big day for the organization. And it's not like the Nuggets have that many representatives in the Hall of Fame to begin right. with. So I think it's I think it's big, no doubt. He also vote. I want to ask you about this one for it. He went on Sirius XM radio, I believe with Eddie Johnson and said one of his great regrets in coaching is that he didn't better connect with Carmelo Anthony. Hmm. That's a reflective George Carl, you know, that we hadn't seen before. What do you make of those comments? Well, I love hearing that because I think when he talks about Carmelo in any fashion, it's not just 
I think it can be easily digested as simply, you know, bitter man kind of reflecting, but I think reflecting is the key word, not bitter. I think some of it is actually some realization, right? And he is a Hall of Fame coach who did get uh, the best or the better, at least out of a great many great players in this game. And Melo's talented enough. And they they figured it out enough to succeed, but not to turn the final corner together. So that can't all just be one of the two of them. And so to hear George reflect on that, I think is really interesting. But when someone's dedicated their game, their life to the game, you know, like whether you know them or not personally or, or any of that, to see them, to see it culminate in something like an enshrinement is a really beautiful thing. I'm sure it's an extreme source of validation for a guy who worked really hard and, and poured a lot of passion into the game. So happy for George, happy to see the Nuggets acknowledge it. And I'm, I'm happy to see that quote about Melo too. George Carroll coached the Nuggets for nine years. Michael Malone's about to enter his eighth season. I didn't know it was that close. It, it just feels like it felt like George Carl was here for so long, but Michael Malone after this year is going to only going to be here one less year than George was. So I, I, I don't know about all time rankings. Like may, maybe they're all jockeying for the top spot. I don't know, but it's, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, last one here for this segment. Um, NBA 2K, you guys know I don't really play video games. I haven't That's for right. a very long time. We should snake draft best video games. Oh, my I'll God. I'll dominate this I, one I with Excite Bike and Tyson's Punch-Out. Um, but 2K came out. First up, Kale, can you show the video of the Sambor Shuffle? I, I get mixed reports on whether or not this was on last year's, if there was an update. But I do love that they added it. Look at this. Oh, yeah. How do what do you make of this step back? This one is the crazy one. This is an eight-foot step back for a three-pointer. I mean, what that's you, the one he took against Greece. Yeah. Vote, how do you rate on a scale of one to ten? How do you rank this uh this Sambor? The mechanics of the shot are great. Uh Yoke looks a little springy and twitchy out there. Uh <laughs> that might just be the limitations of a virtual basketball game but the mechanics of the shot are cool i by the way i'm very impressed adam that you not just got that they added it but the terminology update they did update and nba and uh 22 uh yeah i got this from the dnvr uh dnvr nuggets discord so i can't even take credit for this the guys were talking in there i asked a few questions and then voila here we are well, so just take shout to the discord homies yeah. um for, for pointing this one out to me um I, but I, I do like that they have it. Like the Sambor Shuffle, I'm telling you, I had this take on Twitter the other day, and I actually stand by it. People don't remember this history. Dirk always did the one-legged fadeaway. And there was an SNL skit one time where it was a horrible skit with Seth <laughs> Myers, I think. And it was about like, oh, the Dirk shot. It's so awkward. And they were doing a fake German accent about TJ. It was so dumb. But it, it happened right before Kobe copied it. Dirk had been doing it for years. Kobe one summer was like, you know what? I'm going to add that to my arsenal. Right. And he was saw it like the Drew League or something working on it. And then the next year he did it. This is going to sound sacrilegious or something. Or people might be offended. I'm just telling you the truth. Kobe popularized the Dirk shot. Dirk did it and nobody mm -hmm. copied it. When Kobe did it, all of a sudden everybody copied it. It was like it opened the, the floodgates. I had a crazy prediction that I think Kevin Durant this year will shoot a Sambor. And I'm not saying it'll become the Dirk shot where everybody has that in their bag. But I wouldn't be surprised if like one player copies it and all of a sudden everyone's like, all right, I'll try. Let me see. Yeah. I, can somebody pull off the somber? I know like what you're saying. We once thought Dirk shot was too awkward to pull off. 
Sombor is even tougher to pull off, though. Two guys. It is it. so hard, especially the spinning yeah. Sombor. It is the hardest shot, man. It's the, it's the toughest shot. It's harder than a sky hook. I think KD and Luca would be my favorites to be able to pull it off. Oh well, man. Luka, if Luca did it, would others do it, or would they just be like, "That's the Euro shot now"? Others might. Luca, Luca has oh, no. some American street cachet. I don't know what it is, but he just he seems to get validated in in this culture's perspective of basketball in a way that other Euros have not, in my opinion. So, Chris asked why KD specifically. It's a great question. For me, it's one, it has to be a good player. Like, it just can't be a random guy. Jordan Clarkson does it, and it's like, you know, everybody's doing it. Like, it wouldn't be popularized. But Hassan two, Whiteside did try it. and it, it, it That's got true, Hassan good. Whiteside, yeah, exactly. Can't be somebody like that. But two, KD is a guy, he is, like, one of the, the founding members of Bag Twitter, right? Like, he is all mm-hmm. about working on his individual game and has – he loves, just like Kobe was a guy that was like always practicing new moves and this or that. KD is that guy. So I wouldn't be, that's why him is he's a good player or a great player. And he also is a guy that like is always trying new one-on-one moves. And he's tall. Like I think to do the Sombor, Trey Young can't do the Sombor. He's too little. Like you have to be a tall player to be able to get it off. Jason Tatum, you know, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. I just don't think any of those guys will do it. But I could see KD. Yeah. KD would be the one, I think. Yeah. You know who's going to try it and airball it? Joel Embiid. Aaron Gordon. Oh, man. Can you imagine if Aaron Gordon did it? Oh, my goodness. You need to be... You need to be such a bad shot for Aaron Gordon. He's going to try it. They're going to be playing Washington in the second quarter. I feel like you have to be so tall to get it off just because you just need the extension, you know? Like you need to put so much arc on it and you need the full body extension. You almost have to be like above 6'10, I feel. You do have to be tall. What if if all right, this is I wasn't planning on doing this. If Michael Porter does it, does it, what what are you feeling? Let's say he he takes it and makes it. Incredible vibes. Yeah. I'm feeling awesome extending. Yeah. Ten out of ten. Yeah. If Jamal Murray does it. Ten out of ten. He does have the I actually think Jamal could do it. Yeah. It just it wouldn't look as weird almost. I feel like yeah. I feel like Jamal could actually pull it off and you'd actually look at it and go, oh, it's a kind of a normal looking shot. We should ask people this at Media Day. Um yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. If Carl Anthony Towns did it. I mean, that he would airball airball it for sure. If it's say he makes it, he does a sambor and makes it. It would it would be a tip of the cap a show of respect on a scale of one to ten ten you love it one you hate it where are we at mm, that's a tough five one. five yeah, for me four or five five oh man for me it'd be like a one like i don't want him taking our cool thing get out of here towns with no your- but th- there's also this element of like is it towns versus Jokic? and like no it's not towns versus Jokic. in fact towns is spending his off seasons trying to be Jokic. All right, but, you moved me up to yeah. a two. I'm still don't like, I still don't like it. <laughs> Anthony Davis. Starts oh, taking that's, the a, that's a zero. Well, first of all, if he takes it, there's no way in hell he lands on his feet. I'll tell you that right now. Just <laughs> J- Jason Tatum. Um, Jason Tatum drains the Sombor. He simply cannot t- do it. The other thing is, he Jason, would, Jason Tatum would try to repackage it as his own thing. You know, uh, oh, and he would step. try it with like twenty-two seconds. Like the St. Louis shuffle. <laughs> the St. Louis 
The thing about Tatum is he would do it in a high leverage moment with 22 seconds left on the shot clock. <laughs> That's so true. Break it. Totally break it. Um, Paul George? Side of the backboard. <laughs> I know. I just it's the, right there. the Fresno State freestyle, the Palmdale uh, something. Uh, what about what about Giannis? If he does it, how are you feeling? Oh, uh, Giannis would look so awkward doing it, though. No, that would uh, be. I, I, yeah, I'd love it though. That'd be great. Yeah. It would be time. even more unblockable, honestly. Oh, the yeah. Giannis one, like he's so tall, so long. Like guys, crazy. guys, oh. You want your to shoot the ball at Eurobasket? <laughs> you don't want him taking a sample. I'm scared. He might hit it. <laughs> oh. oh, this is too funny. All right, last one. Ben Simmons. <laughs> it fixes his jumper. He's, a, he's the right- only three he can hit. Wait, so he's not a right-handed or left-handed jumper. He's a right-footed shooter. That's- <laughs> That's <true>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. On the other side, we're going to play. We're going to have a little bit of fun on a Monday, guys. Try to break up those Monday vibes uh, and rank some things that two weeks left. We got some things for you to be excited about between now and the start of the regular season. We'll do that just coming up. Guys, the NFL is opening week was action-packed and it's just getting started get ready for week two of touchdowns big plays and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook let's run an official sports betting partner of the NFL this week new customers can bet just five dollars on any football game and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly want even more action then check out DraftKings early win promotion This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DNVR. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code DNVR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I also got to give a shout out to our friends at Colorado Golf, the Colorado Golf Association. If you're interested in a membership, which comes with a lot of great perks, CGA members get the opportunity to play exclusive courses around the state like Aspen Glen Club, the club at Ravina, the Pinery, and more. Members also get access to exclusive member content with offers and discounts from national and local companies, including Imperial Golf Tech, and PGA Tour Superstore. So if you want to join 70,000 golfers, over 70,000 golfers with the Colorado Golf Association, check them out, coloradogolf.org. Use the code DNVR5 to get $5 off your membership. Use the code DNVR5 to get $5 off your CGA membership at coloradogolf.org. All right, you guys look ready to have a little bit of fun? Do you guys like fun? I miss it. Love fun. Big fun guy. (laughs) Well, there's some fun coming up for the Denver Nuggets and their fans here over the next couple weeks. We should start getting uh, some some fun reports. So we're going to power rank. I'm going to rely on you guys and only you guys to tell me what will be the most fun thing to look forward to. Okay. Um, We're going to start with the reveal of new jerseys. Now, here's the thing. They may have already leaked. I don't know. They may already yeah. <laughs> but the official rollout where they do some kind of thing and they, you know, you know, yeah. that's coming up. We should probably have it in the next couple of weeks. Harrison, 
Where are you going to put this one? You know, the fact that we already know what the jersey is going to look like diminishes it a little bit. Yeah. But we know it's uh, sometimes it leaks and it's slightly different. Well, we, we, we know generally the idea of it. Okay. It's spoiler, spoiler alert. I'm not getting that excited for it. But <laughs> it's always a fun day. Strong jersey agree. reveal day. Always a fun day. Um, do you want me to put a number on this without knowing the other well, stuff you, here? You can move it later, but where are you going to slot I, it? I, I think we should slot it at like a five for now. Wow, five. All right, vote. You're not too. Are you with him? Is this like I just mid? like how it can't even temporarily hold slot one with no other picks <laughs> on the board. Win seems really excited. All right, I am excited for this. I do think Win's uh, point that we've seen it already certainly takes some points yeah. off the board. However. I am going to simply choose to pretend that I do not see it, and I will take the confirmation as an exciting moment of the preseason. So you're, let's move it up to four. Yeah, can you put up to four for me, please. It's yeah, at least a fun day on Twitter. It's at least a fun day on Twitter <laughs> slash the DNBA show. Um, yeah, Michael <laughs> at Porter least gives us a segment. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr.'s preseason debut. Okay. Oh, you go first this time. His this preseason, is, uh, number two. preseason debut. This is number two. This is number two. Yeah. Do you remember his actual preseason debut for real? His his first year he played. How exciting it was! Or was it Phoenix? I thought it was Portland, and he hit a mid range jumper or something, and it was like, oh my god, look at this dude! We were watching those from the Lakewood office. Just some wee lads getting ready for the future. You with him, Harrison? Number two. Yeah, two is good for me. All right, let's go. What what's our next one there? Jamal Murray's preseason mm. debut. Harrison? This is number one. Gotcha. This wow. is one above MPJ. This is really what's going to get the people going. The preseason debut. Because it's like we're all hyped for the, the actual regular season debut. But the preseason, right. I might, man. The more I think of it, I keep I'm for some reason more hyped for the MPJ debut than I am the Jamal Murray one, at least in the preseason. But Chesapeake um, Bay Arena, baby. Adam Adam <laughs> oscillates between what's MPJ. the arena called in Oklahoma City these days? <laughs> or, or wait, is that a home game actually? The first I think it's a home game. game. It's gonna be, be ball arena. Back to back. Ball <laughs> arena. <laughs> yeah. I like how Adam oscillates between MPJ's biggest fan and like how can we trade him right now? Like, <laughs> hey man. I'm every person is many things. Um, the rookies preseason debut. We're talking Peyton Watson, oh. Christian Brown. Mm. List ends there. Jack White. Jack White. Let's Jack get in White. there. Jack White. Uh, we can probably slot that three for now. Uh, definitely ahead of Jersey reveal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where are you at vote? I like that. I, I'm, I'm really excited for Christian Brown. So I, I, I hope to see him. See him playing with the with a capable unit sooner rather than later, you know. I'm also just curious to see where he is. Like, where does he play? Sometimes we get excited for guys that aren't in the rotation, and then mm-hmm. like preseason comes, they just don't play. I see. And you're saying. like, I don't know why I was excited for that. I think he <laughs> will play though. Yeah. Um, media. Oh, the starting lineup debut. Our first oh. look at the starting lineup. Put this over jerseys for me. <laughs> oh man so you moved the jerseys up now you're moving it back down that's okay. right yeah wind was right but we didn't know it yet the starting I mean, this has got to be above rookie debut right i'm with so. wind on this one i, I think, think so I'm, yeah 
I, th- I think I'm more excited about it than I am the the, the rookies. Yeah, I'd put this at three. Rookies well, are just so rarely exciting right out of the pack. I feel like know. we saw Christian Brown's debut at Summer League. We also <laughs> still need we still need to be convinced that five man unit is in a figment of our imaginations. So I'm excited. Are to we see gonna? That. Is there any chance we don't see it in the preseason? Yeah, of course. Like how the Broncos just didn't play their starters at all until until tonight. Yeah, I can't imagine Yoke's going to play much during preseason. Here, here's another funny wrinkle. Did you guys see what uh, number Kentavious Caldwell Pope is wearing? Will Barton's right, number five. Right. So it's still just the same numbers in the starting <laughs> Love lineup. It. Love it. <laughs> but just a different shooting guard. Yo, this is like in, in Game of Thrones how everybody always screws up the prophecy and. This is like the prophecy foretold. Number five would complete the roster. No, <laughs> we just had the wrong five. We just had the oh. wrong number five. Ah. Yeah. In our visions, we saw number five alongside them. Oh. Um, media day quotes. Media day quotes. Let's get deep into the weeds here, boys. What does that mean? Five and a thumb? Six. Oh. So is that above jersey reveal? Oh, wait. One, two, three. No, no, no. It's where it is. It's dead last. Room. It's got to be above jersey reveal. Come on. <laughs> jersey portraits. We reveal. know the jerseys already. We know the media day quotes already too. <laughs> that uh, is true. That right. is true. I'm hopping in here. I I would have this a lot higher. And it's weird. But we haven't really talked to Jamal a whole lot. We haven't really all talked right. to Michael Porter a whole lot. A whole right. lot. We haven't talked to him at all. Hardly at all. <laughs> we haven't heard from Jokic since all of, you know, with Eurobasket and the team coming back and all of this. And here we have, we haven't heard the new guys, you know, we're still getting to know. But more than anything, the end of the exit interviews were so noticeable for like, hey, we're setting a tone that I kind of feel like media day this year is actually going to be a banger. A banger in oh, that yeah. I think it's going to set the themes or attempt to set the themes for the season. And I'm curious to find out what those are. We know a little bit of it, but I actually think this media day in particular will be more fruitful than any since the first year of uh, Paul Millsap when I felt like that was a really interesting media mm. day. Yeah. It'd be a fun game to guess the internal mantra that the Nuggets have this season. Oh, that's right. <laughs> That would be a good one. I, I would put this one up all the way. Don't behind. talk about it. Don't talk about it. Be about be it. Be about it. Yeah, that, that's like minus 150 on DraftKings for sure. Favorite. That's where I would put it, right behind starting lineup. I, it's still not more exciting than the games, but it's probably more exciting than the rookie debuts to me. Are you guys with it or against it? I'm good it? with that. I'm good I'm with it. All right. That. I'm all right with it. Okay. Um, Muscle Watch 2022. <laughs> this is where we start to get the photos of the guys running around. Maybe it's going to be at media day. It's like, did you see uh, bones is saying he's getting tested right now? Cause he's adding so much muscle. I think is the implication. <laughs> Are we excited for muscle watch 2022? I am. Okay. This is like Jersey reveal for me. It's like, it's new calf muscle reveal season. I get to, oh see, get to see how everyone's done over the summer. What those bad boys are looking like. Who's got the Who's got the uh, the most swole warlocks down low? You know what I mean. Um, I'm excited. I mean, we should rename Muscle Watch 22 to just Zeke Naji Watch 2022 because that's what it's going to be. How much weight can muscle mass can he grow between now and Media Day? We're going to find out. This one to me would be dead last. I don't care, but Muscle Watch is the dumbest thing. I'm telling you, 
you know that picture of the Infowars guy where he's got his shirt off and then right next to it is his shirt <laughs> off but pan? Yeah. <laughs> to me, this is what everybody does. Everybody in the entire NBA. Like, look at – I had my buddy Kirk Henderson. I love him. But he's sending me pictures of Luka Doncic with his arms up. He looks the and same. It, it looks the exact same. I'm like, yeah, if I took a photo where I, like, stretch my body out as much as I can, I look a little yeah. thinner. Do you guys think do you guys think they lift right before media day? Yes. Well, first of all, they <laughs> no, it's <laughs> they no. Some like will Zeke Naji get a, a couple push-ups in before walking out? Absolutely. Yeah. It's just the net, it's just the last station before you do the interview. It's like you shoot the promo for the timeout, you yeah, do like true. some some goofy in arena segment, you like say something to the Instagram, then you go lift, then you do the interview. Best shape of my life. Best shape of my life, when Black and Zeke just doing curls behind <laughs> yeah. the curtain. The, the other thing about Muscle Watch, there have been guys who have put on muscle in recent years. I'm not going to name any names. But you look at them and you go, is, should you have been trying to put on so much muscle? Like, is this yeah. is this good for you? you remember, Gary Harris, the ultimate to me was when they got uh, the I wasn't going to name names, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the first year that they went from powder blue to navy, but it was in between. Remember, it was a transition to the new branding. The first year they did that, Gary Harris was with Darrell Arthur as the reveal. And I swear to God, he looked like Hulk. And you're like, what the hell, Gary? You had like 30 pounds of muscle. And what do you know? He broke down immediately, so... Sometimes there's real insight in muscle watch. Like has a player not said a word to his teammates and does he look 20 pounds lighter for no reason? <laughs> Jot that down. Jot that one down. <laughs> oh boy. That one was, uh, I guess if you caught it, you caught it. Um, all right. Next one. We've got position battles. Some people excited. Zeke Naji, Jeff Green, Flacco Chanchar, Christian Brown, D- Davon Reed, Ish Smith. Is he there? We should the position battle update. Smith. The the fact that there's just no position battles in the starting lineup kind of puts a damper on this. Good point. Um so I would probably put this maybe right below media day quotes. Okay. <laughs> position <laughs> battles. Wow. Higher than I mean, we're team. talking about like backup. Maybe power forward. <laughs> Dude, jersey reveals are not on any of Wynn's lists. No way. Where are you at there, vote? Um, I the position battles actually this year they're interesting. I will admit that. I will I can see it's the same ones every year. Well, <laughs> yeah, th- that's really just Mostly. what's the rotation question mark? And uh yeah. there's a lot of forwards to figure out. So I will put it. I'll put it below rookie preseason for me personally. Okay. The last one I have here is the Bones-Murray duo. The Bones-Murray duo. We haven't seen that. I mean, we haven't seen Jamal Murray, but we haven't seen Bones and Murray together. I feel like that's a very unique. Even in the Nuggets era, we've never had two players like that, and now we have two of them. Where does that go for you? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to see them on the floor together. I'm excited to see defenses try to stop that. I would put it... I mean, it's probably above or below position battles. 
<laughs> Just saying it is so dumb. <laughs> All right. The New Jersey reveal turned out to be eight out of nine. Wow. Poor New Jersey reveal. We don't even want to see them. Uh, I yeah. think having Bones and Murray playing together below media day quotes feels sacrilegious. But cause I, do we think of them as a duo? I guess that's the point of the question. Yeah. I'm gonna Kale really up. struggling with this graphic. It's it's, it's enthralling. <laughs> it's actually the best part about this has been watching Kale do the I shift know, down thing for these. Kale, I got um, another one for you. I would put it above. <laughs> I would put it above rookie. Kale. I would put it above rookie. Yeah, move the bottom six down. Move that one up. Are uh, we sure we like where position battles is on this? Position battles, like the You're... backup small. What about? Backup, backup to the backup small forward. Backup to the backup third string small they have, forward. They have Jack White, Jack White versus Vlako Chancha. <laughs> yeah. All right, well there it goes. Jamal's preseason debut, MPJ's preseason debut. By the way, how far away are we? I think we're only exactly three weeks, or actually less than three weeks away from those things, because they have media day in two weeks, training camp the day after that that runs Tuesday through Friday, and I think they play on that Saturday. So less than three weeks from now, we. Will very likely get both of those things. Although we should be noted, nobody's ever declared Michael Porter back. Well, he did declare himself 100% healthy. <laughs> that is right. That is right. Um, so just something to kind of note here that we are like, oh, yeah, MPJ is going to play here right away. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. That's why Media Day will be so wow, interesting. That's, that's a hell of a cliffhanger. Wow. <laughs> I'm not reporting anything here. I'm just saying, hey, like he's never, we've never heard the like, oh yeah, he's ready to go. It's cleared oh, all oh, Jokic, out. leave Chicago, leave for Chicago. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> no, no. All right. That does do it for today though. We are back. We got three more shows this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We hope you guys are along for us. Enjoy your lunch break or whatever break it is you take with us. We always like having you hit that like button on the way out, everybody.